Welcome back to the channel. We all know that big tech has engaged in a massive amount of un-American censorship, but they haven't just censored the average Joe, they've even censored the press. The most poignant example of that is probably when Twitter locked the Washington Post Twitter account after they posted their story about the Hunter Biden laptop. It should also be noted that Facebook significantly suppressed the reach of the Washington Post story concerning the laptop. But here's the thing. Most of the content that big tech has blocked, suppressed, or removed turned out to be factual. The Dr. Reality Vodcast with Dave Champion. Let's start with this. Big tech censorship is nothing but the private sector leg of the United States government's disinformation effort. The United States government and institutions that are tied to the United States government, they put out false disinformation. But in the internet age, it's really easy for savvy researchers to turn around and do the research, determine that the establishment's narrative is false. It's dangerous. It's disinformation. And when those savvy researchers accomplish that, and then they want to go on social media and show it to others, it is the job of big tech to silence those people to ensure that there is one narrative and one narrative only, and that is the narrative of the United States government and the institutions connected with the United States government putting out their disinformation. Nothing that conflicts with the government's disinformation is allowed to be placed on social media. Now, of course, at this point, we're talking about just certain select topics, but if something isn't done, you can bet your ass that that small list of subjects is going to increase incrementally over time. I'm no stranger to big tech censorship. Facebook removed my Dr. Reality page with 145,000 people following it, and YouTube removed my channel that had nearly 40,000 people following it. And in both those cases, <laughs> those pages and channels were not taken down. They were not removed because I was wrong or because I was non-factual. That's not even part of social media, that these platforms. It's not even part of their equation. Whether you're right or wrong is not part of it at all. The reason that I was taken down was because the information that I provided, which people can go look up for themselves, and I advocate that they do so. When I say something that's political or I say something that's scientific, I tell my audience, do not believe me. Go out and research this for yourself. And I give them the core information that allows them to go out and do that. But the reason that Facebook and YouTube did what they did was not because I was wrong. The reason I had to be removed was the content that I was posting would lead any reasonable and intelligent person to conclude, either taking my word for it or going out and doing their own research, to conclude that what the establishment putting out was false, was disinformation. And big tech's job is to silence people who credibly present information showing that the establishment's narrative is false, that it is disinformation. But the purpose for today's presentation is I said at the outset that virtually everything that has been suppressed or the content removed or the creator such as myself removed from pages or channels, the content was factual. 
And using myself as an example, I wasn't taken down because I was wrong. I was taken down because I was first. I came to various conclusions before the establishment had decided that information was acceptable to get out. Now, let's talk about a few things that I've said and others that I'm going to name here in a few minutes that we've said that we were punished for, that we were si- that our message was silenced, and yet we were right. Let's take a look at a few examples of that. Last week, CDC admitted that 44% of the people who are hospitalized with COVID-19 have been boosted. 44%. Now, that's not just 44% of people who are infected have been boosted. That's 44% of the people who are so seriously ill with COVID-19, they require hospitalization. 44%. Myself and many others, most notably Dr. Robert Malone and Dr. Peter McCullough, have spoken about the problems with mRNA technology vaccines generally and ongoing booster shots in particular. CDC's recent admission confirms that all of us, Dr. Malone, Dr. McCullough, myself, we were correct all along, and yet we were silenced and we were punished. I'll put the link to CDC, the page on CDC's website where they admit the 44% figure down in the notes. Next, a recent study published in the International Journal of Vaccine Theory, Practice, and Research found that 94% of blood samples taken from people who had been vaccinated showed aggregation of erythrocytes and, I want to get this wording right, the presence of particles of various shapes and sizes of unclear origin one month after the mRNA vaccines were injected. Erythrocytes is the medical term for red blood cells, and aggregation means to cluster. Red blood cells are not supposed to cluster, ever. If red blood cells are clustering, that means there is a pathology going on within the red blood cells. Since you can't remain healthy without properly functioning erythrocytes, this report is very concerning. Finding particles that have not been previously seen in human blood. Obviously, very concerning. In that portion of the cohort where the researchers had access to pre-vaccination blood samples, they compared those to the post-vaccination blood samples. And what they found in the pre-vaccination blood samples was there was no erythrocyte aggregation, and there was not the presence of unidentified material in the blood both of which were observed in the post-vaccination blood samples. And this is not a small, trivial amount that the government and big pharma can sweep away. This is 94% of the blood samples taken. Since late 2020, I have been warning the American people that despite government safe and effective assurances, mRNA technology vaccines were new and experimental, and had not been tested using rigorous scientific methods, but rather had only been superficially tested to the extent that they could provide data to the FDA in order to get emergency use authorization. Yet, even the superficial testing was rigged in order to give FDA just enough information, much of it false, to give FDA enough information to grant emergency use authorization. That was the whole game. Studies such as the one we've just been discussing with the 94% of blood samples showing erythrocyte aggregation and 
unknown particles appearing in the blood shows that myself and others were correct all along. Yet, we were silenced. We were punished by big tech. Moving on, a new study conducted by scientists at Harvard and John Hopkins, currently in preprint, concluded that the mRNA technology vaccines for SARS-CoV-2 are 98 times worse for young adults than is the virus. In other words, the report completely decimates CDC's recommendation that everyone should become vaccinated. Doctors Malone and McCullough and myself have told our audiences since, again, probably late 2020, early 2021, the CDC's guidance and recommendation was horribly flawed. And this new research proves it. Again, we were right, we were punished, and we were silenced. And speaking of being silenced, I just want to point something out. I'm sure you're already aware of this, but I want to make it clear Silencing people like Dr. Malone, Dr. McCullough, and myself doesn't change what we know. What it is, is a bunch of corporate executives at billion-dollar firms saying, you, the public, can't be allowed to hear us, can't be allowed to hear the facts, the evidence, the data, viewing the facts, data, and evidence, which you may con- what you might conclude to be the truth. These executives have established censorship departments in their corporations to make sure you can't hear the information. So ultimately, it's really not about people like me and Dr. Malone and Dr. McCullough. It's what they're doing to you. How about wearing masks? I have long preached since, I'm going to guess, probably April of 2020, that masks are worthless. And I have said it loud, and I have said it proud, and I have said it repeatedly, and I have presented the science every single step of the way. I have shared with my audience that in 100 years, from 1920 to 2020, there was not one single scientific study that concluded that masks of any kind halt or slow the spread of a virus. Not one. And as we move into 2020 itself and into 2021, there was in fact one. And it was put out by CDC and it involved like 13 people and it was horribly flawed. Actually, it it ended up being the laughing stock of the scientific community. But even being completely rigged and making a mockery of science, they only asserted that masks cut down on illness by 2.3% which in terms of what we're talking about is statistically insignificant. Of course, if they hadn't rigged it, the number would have been zero. But even rigging it, all the best they could do was the statistically insignificant number of 2.3% in favor of wearing masks. I'll go ahead and put one of my older mask videos down in the notes for you so you can see the kind of information we're talking about. A recent study, 600 million people in 35 countries concluded the following. Positive correlation between mask usage and cases, by that they mean infections. Let me, let me insert the word infections instead to make it more clear. Positive correlation between mask usage and infections was not statistically significant, while the correlation between mask usage and deaths was positive and significant. In other words, wearing a mask isn't going to stop you from getting infected. But the data shows wearing a mask will increase your odds of dying from COVID-19. And again, I was saying from day one, masks don't 
work. They don't prevent nor slow the spread of an infectious virus, period, full stop. And I was punished. And that message was silenced. And this latest study shows that I and many others were absolutely right. But big tech decided you weren't going to be allowed to know that. A recent study out of Canada has now concluded that there is virtually no difference whatsoever between vaccinated and unvaccinated in terms of hospitalizations and deaths. And it found for every one unvaccinated person in ICU, there are six vaccinated people in ICU. Since early 2021, I've been telling the nation that the data provided by Pfizer to the FDA was fraudulent, it was a rigged game all along for no other purpose than to get emergency use authorization. I was punished and the message silenced for saying that, as was Dr. Malone. This latest study out of Canada confirms we were right all along. Let me give you a final example of how insane the effort is to prop up the false establishment narrative. One expositor who is followed by millions of people said just the other day that masks were effective when we were looking at the wild virus, alpha, and delta. But masks suddenly became ineffective once Omicron was on the scene. That has got to be one of the most idiotic claims that I have heard since SARS-CoV-2 appeared. Viruses are roughly 150 nanometers. A nanometer is one billionth of a meter. So viruses are 150 billionths of a meter. Now, if that doesn't paint a discernible, clear picture for you of how incredibly tiny viruses are, let me share this with you. No one, no one has ever seen a virus. Even with our most powerful microscopes, the electron microscope, humans have never been able to see a virus. That's how small they are. Electron microscopes don't allow us to see the virus. What happens is the electron microscope fires electrons at a virus sample, and then a computer analyzes the interaction between the electrons and the virus sample, and the computer then renders an image for us to look at. Again, they are so small, no human has ever seen one. This is why I've been telling you since 2020 that there is no mask. Let me repeat that. No mask that the public would wear. There's no mask of any substance that is going to stop a virus from infecting you. It is quite literally like enclosing your patio in chain link to keep out the flies. But now, if we are to believe this expositor, then we would have to believe that as small as the virus is, we just talked about that, that changes to parts of the virus that are many, 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 many times smaller than the virus itself somehow makes the difference whether the virus passes through a mask or not. If we go back to the chain link and fly analogy, it would be no different than if, than if this expositor said, when you put up chain link around your patio, you enclose it in chain link, flies with red eyes cannot get through, but flies with white eyes can. It is exactly every bit that nonsensical. Yet these kind of inane claims is where we find ourselves. Let me share perhaps a piece of good news in terms of ending platform censorship. The federal U.S. Fifth Circuit just ruled that platforms such as Twitter, Facebook, 
YouTube, do not have wide-ranging powers to silence your speech. Judge Andrew Oldham, writing for the court, said the platforms argued for, quote, a rather odd inversion of the First Amendment. And buried somewhere in the person's enumerated rights to free speech lies a corporation's unenumerated right to muzzle speech, close quote. Judge Oldham summarized with this, quote, Today we reject the idea that corporations have a freewheeling First Amendment right to censor what people say, close quote. You may have heard people scream that private companies can do whatever they want, and that's legal nonsense from ignorant people. Corporations are created in law within a particular jurisdiction. In the United States, when we're talking about private enterprise, those jurisdictions are the states of the union. Because corporations are what the law calls legal fictions, absent law, they're not real. They're not like you and me. They're just made up things in law. And because of that, whatever rights people, rights in quotes, people perceive corporations have are granted to the corporation by the jurisdiction that created them or by the jurisdiction in which they operate. They have no inherent rights. They're not like you and I that have unalienable rights. Corporations have bubkiss in terms of what we would equate to unalienable rights. Nothing, zero, zilch, zip, zilch, nada. Anything that people look at a corporation and say, well, they have the right to do this and that, those pseudo rights are created by the jurisdiction whose law permits the creation of a corporation. And setting boundaries for those pseudo rights is the sole prerogative of the legislature. So, If a legislature for a particular jurisdiction says a corporation's right of free speech does not extend to muzzling users, then it doesn't. Period. End of statement. Full stop. Because corporations don't have inherent rights. They are creatures of statute and they are controlled by statute. And guess what? No jurisdiction has ever granted any corporation the right To muzzle free speech, as Judge Oldham said in the Fifth Circuit's decision, the platform's argument that the right to free speech empowers them to censor what the users say is, quote, an odd inversion. And what Judge Oldham means by that is that the corporations are attempting to turn the First Amendment on its head. Another quick side note so the comments don't get filled with silliness. It has been determined that corporations may restrict the free speech of employees in certain circumstances, but that has nothing to do with the case we're talking about now out of the Fifth Circuit. The statute being challenged pertains solely to social media platforms, does not deal with employees any in any way, and the court is not ruling on anything having to do with employee speech. I should add that the recent Fifth Circuit decision is in conflict with the decision of the Eleventh Circuit dealing with a very similar question, a very similar statute, in Florida. The 11th Circuit held that corporations do have the authority to censor social media platform corporations, do have the authority to censor their users, and the 5th Circuit says you absolutely do not. So this is what's called in judicial circuits a circuit split, and it increases the odds significantly that this matter will be taken up by the U.S. Supreme Court in the near future. So what might the Supreme Court do? The traditional stance of the Supreme Court has been Any speech is allowable, even speech that advocates violence, as long as there is time for the people who are hearing that speech 
to hear opposing speech. If the Supreme Court holds to that doctrine, then the content provided by myself and people like Drs. Malone and McCullough could not possibly be lawfully censored because the opposing speech was already out. It was already on the table. In fact, information put out by people like me and Dr. McCullough and Dr. Malone have been the opposing speech that the Supreme Court has said is critical in the free speech equation. Yet big tech, social media platforms are attempting to argue the paradigm that the speech of government and large institution is constitutionally protected. But if people like you or me, Drs. Malone or McCullough, attempt to present facts, data, and evidence showing that the government's position is not factual, it is false, it is disinformation, then our opposing speech is not protected by the right of free speech. It doesn't get any more backwards than that in terms of free speech in America. There are a couple of other things that I am 100% correct about that the establishment doesn't want you to hear. In particular, I'm referring to the truth of the income tax and the information that destroys 60 years of disinformation concerning human physiology put out primarily by the government. In terms of the income tax, the disinformation campaign, a very, very successful disinformation campaign, I might add, that's been put out by the United States government for the last 60 years, is that if you earn a living in America, you owe some money to the federal government. And that is absolute bump, bunk. It is poppycock. But you believe it because you've been socialized to believe it by the 60-year disinformation campaign. Wouldn't it be nice to know, I know this is scary, what the law really says, (laughs) as opposed to buying into disinformation? Wouldn't you want to just look at a compendium and go through it in a way that's easy for every single American to understand and know what the truth is instead of being manipulated by the government's disinformation campaign? Wouldn't that be great? And then you could decide what you want to do about that. And that's exactly why I wrote Income Tax Shattering the Mist. So you could read all of the information you'd ever want to show you the truth. Made super easy to understand. You could read through it and the government would never be able to fool you again with its disinformation campaign. And the same thing when I wrote Body Science, the same exact agenda, different subject. You've probably heard me say, America is the most chronically ill society in all of human history. And that's not hyperbole. That is a statistical fact. The the people of the United States are the most chronically ill people in all of mankind's history, despite our wealth, despite our medical prowess, despite our scientific achievement. The most chronically ill society in all of human history. How could that possibly be? Well, the same reason that you falsely believe that you owe income tax. Because the American public has bought hook, line, and sinker into 60 years of disinformation by the United States government and trillion-dollar industries. And I wrote Body Science to, first of all, let them see all of the disinformation and then to compare that disinformation against how human physiology, with an emphasis on nutritional physiology, how it really works. Again, the science broken down, just like I break down the law into something that's very easy for you to understand, I break the science down into something that's very easy for you to understand, so you can compare the 
actual real science to the crap you've been brainwashed with for the last 60 years. And then you have the choice, whether we're talking about income tax, shattering the mist, or body science, you have the choice. What do you want to do about it? You now know what the lies are, and you now know what the truth is. What do you want to do? So with that, I want to encourage you to go to drreality.news, drreality.news, pick up a copy of Income Tax, Shattering the Mist, and or Body Science, and you have my personal word. They will be two of the most fascinating books you have ever read. And if you let them, they will change your life. And as a closing note, I've done these videos for probably going on 20 years now. All the material that I put out, such as in today's video, has always been free to the public. So going to drreality.news and grabbing yourself a copy of Income Tax, Shattering the Mist, Body Science, or any of the other writings that appear there is your way of supporting these sort of fact-based presentations by me. And I appreciate that. Thank you.